The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 397. I have a special guest joining us tonight to talk about some recent baseball news, some young players that performed well or maybe stumbled a bit in 2021, and we'll see where they go in 2022, or our thoughts in 2022, plus talking about one of the biggest gatherings in Arizona, potentially in October. Tons and tons of fun there. Yes. First time around the show. Uh, really, really looking forward to having him here. You can find him on Twitter, at Brent HQ. Brent Hershey, how are we doing? Good. Bubba, how are you? I, uh, I'm excited to be on here, too. I know uh, my colleague Ryan has been on once or twice, Bloomfield, yeah. and uh, I know uh, you know some of the other guests and such that you had, so honored to uh, hang out with you for a bit here and, and chat some ball. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to join me. Um, Ryan is a, a great friend. I, I, I can consider him a friend. We've talked many times on and off the air. Yeah. One, of the good, one of the good ones out there, as you obviously know, so sure. um, big, big fan of Ryan. Before we get uh, too deep into this, obviously you're the GM content uh, ma- manager over at Baseball HQ. Yeah. You're on the, the Eyes uh, Have It podcast with Chris Blessing. Right. But much, much more going on. So why don't you let everybody know what's going on at Baseball HQ? Sure. Uh, we're, I mean, for those who aren't familiar, we're a baseball, you know, fantasy baseball website subscription 
based, uh, started by Ron Chandler about 25 years ago, <laughs> amazingly. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, my duties there are uh, primarily content related. Uh, with my partner Ray Murphy and I, we handle all the day-to-day -day, uh, goods, but uh, I work a lot with the writers and the content part of uh, what goes up on the site every day. Um, we're kind of in the middle of it now and just starting to get ready for one of our other big projects, which, well, a couple big projects coming up in, in the fall. Uh, one, which you mentioned, is First Pitch Arizona, the uh, yearly conference, uh, the three, four-day uh, weekend out in Phoenix that we do every year, um, except for when COVID takes its, uh, rears its ugly head. And so we had to miss last year, but we're excited to get back. Uh, this year, the dates are October 14th through the 17th. Um, listeners can find out more information, uh, how to register, uh, get, a, get an idea and a feel for what we do there uh, at the baseballhq.com website. You'll find links there. Um, but it's a great, uh, great time. We bring in all sorts of uh, media folks, content providers, uh, as well as invite um, just regular fantasy baseball nuts there to uh, basically break down and talk about the seasons that's passed, uh, trends happening for the seasons uh, coming up. Uh, there's strategy sessions. There's player breakdowns. Uh, we obviously are there with for the Arizona Fall League. Uh, so there's a lot of prospect talk, and um, we always have uh, three or four games as at, at the at the parks as part of uh, what we offer there for the weekend. We also do some. Uh, drafts. Greg Ambrosius from NFBC hosts some NFBC drafts that happened uh, for 2022. In this case, that uh, you know play out. People, everyone loves drafting, of course. Um, but it's a it's a great time, uh, great camaraderie there between all of the attendees, uh, all the speakers uh, from all from all kinds of different sites. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, I, I could go on and on about that, obviously, for a while. <laughs> But uh, the dates this year are uh, October 14th to the 17th, and folks can find out more information at baseballhq.com. The other big, uh, other big fall project we always have is uh, are the books that we do, primarily the Baseball Forecaster, uh, which is uh, more well known. And uh, just today, um, Ron Chandler, Ray Murphy, and I uh, were on one of our calls that happened about once a week or so this time, kind of starting to lay the groundwork for the uh, types of any changes we're making to the book this year, uh, line up, beginning to line up uh, preliminary details uh, about that. Uh, it's a lot of work, but a lot of fun too. And I know, uh, I know for as, as publishing it, uh, it's a great thing when those, uh, when that package shows up in the mail with uh, the finished uh, products there after we've poured uh, quite a bit of our, uh, October and November into that uh, project. So I'm involved there. I also uh, head up the minor league baseball analyst, which is a smaller kind of minor league companion volume, uh, similar kind of with a fancy baseball focus. And that comes out in January uh, each year. So uh, yes, that's my long winded answer to your question. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's great because the content at baseball HQ, I've, I've said it about a few different providers that I've had many of their contributors on my show and like there's a reason why i have many of those contributors on my show is I, I like the product that is brought to it so yeah feel free to go about it and your your explanation of baseball hq i think is i mean um first pitch arizona 
I think is great because you hear many people have gone to it many times now and they're just like you, they just gush over it. And next thing you know, it's like, we're doing this, we're doing it's just a long way of saying it's awesome because yeah. everyone's there and everyone enjoys baseball and fantasy baseball. So I'm looking forward to it. Unless something really crazy happens, I will be there for the first time. So I'm very, very excited to, uh, to make the trip out there. I love the Scottsdale Phoenix area. It, it's yeah. great. So I'm pretty excited about it. So. Yeah. Looking forward to it. We shall see. But let's get into some recent uh, recent news that will impact our fantasy teams, even though we only have like five weeks or so left, give or take. There's still a lot that can take place. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll start off with Jack Flaherty, who um, returned from the IL on his third start. People started blowing up Twitter, saying, oh, the velocity is down, the velocity is down, and then he left the game. Shoulder injury, back to the IL. I guess the, the, the easy way to look at this, is he just a drop for you now going forward? Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I mean, especially in the, in any sort of league where you're in contention here in the last five six weeks, I just uh, it wouldn't be someone I would consider sort of counting on at this point, given the you know trajectory of this season uh, at least. Um, you know, there's always someone <clears throat> that I feel like is just on the cusp of like getting into that really top tier. Uh, there's always you know the walks. I think still have been. Uh, kind of what's holding them back a, a some. Um, and the exciting part this year was early on, you know, that that had changed. I mean, he had, he had brought the walk rate down. Um, some of his other metrics had, had pretty much uh, stood still. So, I, you know, I had him on a team or two and was excited about that. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, pitchers are there to get injured, unfortunately. Uh, and it's been a rough uh, rest of the year for him. Um, I'm still interested long term. I'm, I'm almost hoping that he doesn't pitch anymore this year. Uh, you know, that the rest and kind of uh, he can start preparing for 2022, and um, you know, we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. I think he probably gets downgraded a bit because of that going into 2022, but that's a you know, that's a long way away yet till we have to make those decisions. Yeah, it's a, it's a long ways away, but I'm, I'm curious to see where he does go in 2022 because, you know, 2020 or 2019, he had the great season. Second half, that was like one of the best yeah. you'll see. It was, it was Pedro-esque in the second half of yeah. what he was doing out there. And then in 2020, it was a weird season because the Cardinals had like a two-week COVID span and there's this whole schedule got messed up. Yeah. And then this year, it's been on and off the IL. When he's been off, like you say, he's been really good. But it's like I wonder how many innings they let him go next year because he still is young. He's still someone they want for the future. So it's going to be a fun discussion point throughout the offseason because that will affect his draft value for sure. Yeah. Um, in theory, if he goes 150-plus innings, which I think nowadays you, you could probably um, give some light on this also. I think unless you're elite elite, we're seeing 170-ish to 180s, probably kind of the new standard because guys aren't going deep. So like 150 or 160 out of Flaherty, I think still a pretty elite pitcher to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's true. I mean, I, I think those shifts of what you're talking about with the innings pitched is uh, kind of where we're going. And some of us that have been in this a long time, <laughs> it sort of takes a while to kind of make that translation. And I'm still uh, handling that some myself too, but I think you're right. And when I was looking at it too, I mean, yes, I actually was a little bit surprised, uh, you know, that, to realize that, yeah, he's still only 25 years old. So there's uh, you know, he, he came into the league young, uh, there's still, uh, you know, there's still a good, certainly a good solid portion of his career, uh, left in front of him and, and, uh, hopefully he comes, comes back, uh, improves himself healthy in spring training and, uh, kind of go from there. hundred percent with you on that. Um, I haven't seen any new news on Thursday as we record on Thursday, but Trevor story left game two of the doubleheader with an injury. I think it's just something to monitor. We don't have to go too deep into that one, but just for the listeners, 
I did want to ask you about Tristan McKenzie. He's a young arm. I could have yeah. had him. I could have had him down below in the next section, technically. But you know, it's a guy that came up in 2020 and had some 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 highs and lows to say. And he started out 2021, and it really wasn't looking too great at times either. But then the month of August, it kicked in, and he's been outstanding, kind of looking like that prospect everyone was hoping he would be. Now he's on the IL with uh, shoulder fatigue. It could be an anything. It could be really shoulder. We don't know. But what's your thoughts on a guy like Tristan McKenzie, who some say, you know, his build makes it kind of a scary, fragile thing. Other people yeah. say the, the kid's good. So what do you think? I uh, this, this one really hit me this week when it came because I was really looking forward to, you know, realizing the August that he had and and was thinking, good, let's let's get, you know, rest of the season just get, just let him start see where he goes uh to me if he puts an another uh you know a september together not even at august level obviously because uh, some of the service numbers were crazy and weren't gonna be sustainable but the thing where you know just the strikeout rate is just really consistent um and he's pitching fairly deep into games then i'm really excited about that going into 2022 but again you know, knowing kind of his injury history, some in the minors, uh, the up and down uh, nature of his major league uh, career so far. And then this, um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's shoulder fatigue, right? So on one hand that could be just uh, he's tired and needs a break or whatever. Um, on the positive side, you know, the velocity has maintained throughout this uh good stretch, which was the big story, uh, you know, in 2020, you know, even though he had a decent September, how each start the velocity got less. Um, so I'm, I'm still not quite sure what to make of it other than I'm, I'm not overly, I mean, it's not, it's not a positive thing, uh, for him because of all the inconsistency we've seen so far. Um, I know I, you know, just picked him up in a, in a league a couple weeks ago and was really excited about those, results early on in the first couple starts and was looking forward to, Hey, maybe that's someone I could really give me a big lift here in September. Um, Now I think the car, you know, I think the, excuse me, I think the Cleveland team will be really, I think they'll probably, uh, you know, take it easy with him for sure. And, you know, that's obviously going to affect us uh, on on the fantasy side. Yeah, I'm with you. They have they have no reason to rush him back. That's for sure because right. they want him for the future. They're not going anywhere this year. If any, if anything, the way they run their team, they probably want to keep losing. So that that that's that's um, something to think about as well. So it'll be quite interesting to see what we get out of McKenzie the rest of the way. Uh, Savale's rehabbing. Bieber, maybe we see again. I don't know. I don't think we do, but yeah, we'll see. Right. So, it's yeah, hard to very mean, interesting. I, yeah, and I think you know a lot of these guys will be on you know on that Cleveland team will be really interesting next year because of the talent level and what some of them have done in the past. But uh, there are, there will certainly also be some added risk there because of the, because of the injuries that uh, a couple of them have gone through. Uh, most of them have gone through. frankly. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Please act, please act to boot. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting one for sure. Uh, another guy coming back from the IL, Matthew Boyd, who, there were signs at times in recent years that this guy was going to finally take that term, and then this year it just really hasn't been there. But uh, he's returning from the IL on Sunday. We know that this late run here, wins are so hard to come by, strikeouts are hard to come by. Boyd gets strikeouts. That's one thing he does. Mm-hmm. And um, you'd figure they're going to try to run him out there and get some good innings in before 2022. Is he a guy that would interest you maybe in September, or is it strictly like matchup dependent? Uh, I think it's probably more matchup dependent. Uh 
partially because, uh, well, partially because of the injury uh, and partially because <clears throat> I'm not totally sold on Detroit team. Now, they've been playing better for sure. Um, but again, uh, just depending, uh, you know, depending how, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not gung ho for Boyd. Let's just say uh, for the for the rest of the way. I, there's a couple, you know. I think I have him on a DC team, and where I'm going to need to kind of fill him in because of other uh, some other injuries I've run into. And uh, you know, we'll just we'll just have to see. I think I think you're right in the in the sense that because he's been out so long, they probably they may will uh, you know kind of give him some starts throughout the end end of the year just to get those innings in, and uh, rather than have him sit out, but. You know, on the other hand, too, they, they don't have a whole lot to play for uh, also. I mean, I think, you know, one thing I think as, as we're going through here, uh, starting about this, on the best, especially on the pitcher side, is kind of being aware of what, as we're making these decisions at this point, with this time left in the season, really what the major league, you know, team situation is like, just having a, a stronger uh, effect or on our decision-making as far as who to – kind of start who to ride, who to kind of uh, be matchup dependent on, that I think that has, you know, more implications now at this point in the season than it does uh, earlier in, in our season. Yeah. Totally agree with you because, yeah, some teams will be going for it, some won't. Right. You know, speaking of the Tigers, they've already uh, – they already sat – like didn't sit them down, but they cut down Casey Mize's innings for a while. Now he's yeah. back up. They might do it with Scoobal still. Mm-hmm. Having Boyd back could allow for some piggybacking. Like, these are all things that could take place. We've seen the Brewers who aren't like the Tigers. They're actually winning, but they're running away with the division. So right. they can kind of do the same thing. And you're, you are going to see a lot of teams do this. You are 100% correct there. And it's going to make it kind of tough because you're going to – Say grab a guy that has two starts coming up. He's got two good matchups. The next thing you know, he's pitching three innings. Like, oh no, we're just not going to start him on Sunday. Like, just like we're just <laughs> let him rest. It's like, oh, that's great. That's great. So, wow. yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna definitely be part of. I mean, I, I you know the season's been crazy. I think yeah. obviously for so long. You know, we all know that with COVID and the and the injuries and all that. And I think September because of you know being at the end of of the season. And these team, these major league teams at different places, and these workloads uh, at different places. I think it's going to be extra crazy <laughs> the next uh, five, six weeks. And it's going to be really interesting. I've I've heard people talking about it recently, but it wasn't talked about for a while. September, we're not getting the forty man rosters like we're used to either. Right. We're only getting two call ups, so yeah. it's gonna like you used to know like these bad teams that are out of like say at Cleveland, they call up all these guys, and we just have a mess of 30, yeah. 30 days with them. But now it's like, hmm, they're going to have to still run some of these guys out there. They're not yeah. going to have a choice. So that'll make it interesting as well. Yeah, I think for sure that's, uh, <clears throat> that is something that, um, you know, we're just beginning to kind of talk about and kind of have a part of our conversation is, the, is that fact that, yes, the, the roster expansion is just two players. And, and how is that going to affect uh, the guys these, like just what you said, the guys these teams run out there and then how that affects our fantasy teams. Yep. Um, Ian Anderson, uh, one of the better pitchers for the Atlanta Braves. They could definitely use him as they're making their push towards the postseason. Uh, finishes, I believe, fourth rehab start the, uh, earlier this week. He's scheduled to start Sunday against the Giants at home in Atlanta. And if all goes well, obviously, he'll be there the rest of the season. 
I know he's been dropped in many leagues. I know I dropped him in a 12-team league a few weeks back just because I needed roster spots. Mm-hmm. How, how uh, aggressive would you be on a guy like Ian Anderson who we've seen the highs and lows from this season? Yeah, I think he is one, again, because of because of missing that time. And so that's kind of his built-in workload management sort of thing. Uh, and kind of the, and, and Atlanta kind of making this playoff push, I think, and and trying to get their guys ready. I, you know, he's a skill level guy that I would be more comfortable with kind of going after, uh, for instance. Um, you know, I think that I think overall he uh, you know, there's been some ups and downs this year. He's not been quite uh, as consistent as he was in the rookie year last year. Um, but, you know, his Velo is good. The ground ball rate is really high. I mean, there's there's some things to like here. And I and as as I'm thinking about, you know, players I want to start in these last weeks to kind of get me over that hump. You know, he's the type of guy with that sort of base that I say, you know, it wouldn't take it wouldn't be crazy for him to get hot for four weeks. And, uh, you know, then that's that's someone that, you know, that can kind of carry it. And I think that you know, as much as we analyze and all that sort of thing, uh, I'm trying to think about, or I try to think about it in terms of those guys that have a, have a base skill that, you know, one little push can kind of get them that hot streak that can, uh, that can give you, you know, an awesome run kind of, of, of stats for a, whatever, four week period, three week period. And we've seen him do it before. So that, yeah. that's always, that's always a plus. And it's a good point because there's so many of these like random guys that kind of pop up out of nowhere. They're on a hot streak, and you're like, I'm yeah. going to pick them up to see if they stay hot. Then you, they fall apart because, well, they really aren't that good of a player. Right. Where, Ian, where Ian Anderson is a good player, so his floor is much better, and that hot streak can be great. So yeah. that, that that's a very, very good point. Speaking of another player with a good floor, and he may have been dropped in some leagues just because it's been such a long IL stint and just a mm-hmm. back-and-forth re-aggravation IL stint. I, Byron Buxton – should be coming back this weekend. We'll see. Like his rehab's gone well. They said they wanted to play him uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. He played Tuesday, Wednesday. All signs point to a very a return very soon. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, you follow you follow prospects, so we all know Buxton was one of the big ones back in the day, mm-hmm. and he's he's finally kind of hit that peak, but not really with the legs as much as with the power. All of a sudden, yeah. So, what's your thoughts on Buxton, maybe for this season and going forward? Just because the injuries are still there, which is very very frustrating. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think I think about for the end of the season uh, here, he's something I, he's someone I'd be very interested in uh, because he had the crazy good start. Uh, you know, yes, it's more power than what we thought, but you know, we'll all take that. Uh, and I think there's some speed there too. And the fact that, you know, this isn't like a soft tissue injury that he's coming back from. It's a, you know, it's a broken wrist on a hit by pitch. Um, yes, you're concerned about the hand a little bit, but you know, he hits a home run in his first rehab game back. Uh, I haven't heard of any sort of setbacks or concerns about that from his hand. I mean, it, it would be, it would be much different for me if he's coming back from a shoulder strain. Yeah. Or a hamstring, or something like that. Uh, as far as just wanting to put your trust in him for the rest of the season, um, but Buxton is someone you know. I think a little bit, you know, could could be the hitter version of Anderson, where like you know he's had a an established floor. It's been really good. I mean, this year, let's say. I mean, I, I for sure I don't want to not acknowledge you know his his uh, injury history before that certainly. Um, but I think that uh, it's someone that you uh, that could get hot 
and and really help in some categories. Uh, and I think you know, and I think because of his defense, the Twins are going to play him basically. Yeah. Uh, even though they're out of it, I think they're they are aware of kind of the uh, they certainly are aware of the missed time and just the continued reps that I think uh, for Buxton at the major league level like that. You know, it would just be a huge confidence builder for him if he hits the ground running again and does, uh, you know, and performs uh, at even a part of a level of what he had uh, done so far when he got hurt originally. Yeah, the, the, the reps is a big thing. They're going to need him to get those at-bats, head into the offseason, hopefully stay healthy in 2022. So there's they, they're going to want to put him out there at least, I'd say, five times a week, most likely. Yeah. So I, I'm with you 100% on that one couple quick quick hitters here that came down on Thursday. Reese Hoskins back to the I.L., which hmm. kind of came as a surprise. Like I, I wasn't watching the Phillies games, but yeah. I have Hoskins in a lot of rosters. And he came back. He had another home run on Wednesday. So I'm like, oh, great. He's good to go. And then that news dropped. I'm like, what in the world? It's his back. He can't move. Like, he can't feel the position is what it comes down to. Yeah. So you, you, uh, you're a Phillies guy. What have you what have you heard about like this situation? Is it just gonna be like maybe another ten days or is this worse than people think? Uh the before I mean, yeah, before I saw that uh note that he went back in the DL a couple hours ago, I was uh I was a little worried with what I read about basically in some of the local stuff here about that he was gonna need to kinda that they're gonna need to nurse this groin issue, you know, it was originally a groin issue kind of the rest of the season. Um, so, and that, you know, that kind of made sense to me because he came back Sunday, hit a home run. Uh, they were off Monday and they played Tuesday and he sat Tuesday. Uh, but they, you know, Girardi and everyone said, oh, he's fine. You know, he's, he's fine. And I don't know, my BS detector went up (laughs) off of that. Uh, and then, uh, then yes, he played last night and hit a, hit a home run. But the fact of, yeah. The fact of that they were going to kind of there was some sense of I don't know one of the beat writers or something that it was going to be have to be managed throughout the rest of the season. I was like that's not good. So when I actually heard the news that he went on DL today uh, was not entirely surprising given the past couple of days of events. Uh, I I think that they will probably try to push him as hard as they can, like like they did here because they are. You know they're in this playoff drought. They're, they're, they're the Phillies are trying to uh, get in there, um, and so I think that they feel like and their lineup certainly needs him there. Um, so my hunch would be, from a major league perspective, they'll probably try to get him back as soon as they can. From a fantasy perspective, when he comes back, is he going to be? <laughs> you know, is he going to contribute like you are expecting him to contribute? Uh, I don't know about that, frankly. Yeah, and I've got I, and I've got him a couple of places too, uh, and you know, loved the home run last night and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, trying to be realistic about it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I missed I missed the part about the uh, they're gonna have to kind of baby it for a while. That is not great to hear at all. Yeah, and like you mentioned, kind of in the Buxton talk, this is more of a soft tissue thing, which again, not good at all. Exactly. Right. So that. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy right now. That's yeah. for and, sure. <laughs> and and frankly, I mean, if you know, if in a couple of weeks they haven't made any sort of move and the Braves are still where they're at and they're out of it, it be, 
you know, he would be a, certainly an early shutdown candidate, I would yeah. think. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. He's young. They need him for the future. Why, why risk tearing something or yeah. making it worse than it is? That makes 100%. I guess on the flip side, if you're in a deep league, it might be more Brad Miller time at first base for everybody. So yeah. have fun I mean, with that. That's, I mean, yeah, that's what they're going to do, I think. Uh, I mean, Miller's I don't know. He's been decent. He's been decent. I mean, he's interesting, and he's one of these guys that, you know, has been streaky at different times Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, plays hard and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's not the, it's not the worst option. It's not Hoskins level, obviously. Um, And he's, and, but Miller also goes into slumps, but uh, you know, it's not the worst flyer to, to try out if you're, uh, if you're, you know, in a, desperation sort of or need to need to take a chance it's not the worst chance to take us do you think we see alec Baum back again this year because he got sent down obviously very very disappointing season for what many had hopes for but um do you think if maybe they go out of it they say yeah let's bring him back up and give him another month of that bats uh i think i think that that's the most likely situation the, the most likely scenario that he would be back is that they would be out of it they would say uh you know let's just get him Let's just try to get them some positive major league at bats. Uh, I think if they are, if they somehow make a move uh, and get close to the Braves, and they're and they're kind of in it, I don't know that they go back to that well. It's it's the bone thing is just it's it's an odd sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Because what, well, what we saw last year, like all the hard hit metrics and all this yeah. thing, and then it just it just yeah. disappeared this year. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's just someone because of uh, the minor league work I do and the opportunity I get to go to see minor league games. I've you know I've seen him kind of up through the minor leagues, and this was just such a surprise to me. This sort of slump for him because uh, you know, beginning of this year, coming into this year, I was touting him as someone. You know, I, I never. I never quite believed in the defense and that doesn't totally surprise me, but I did, I thought I saw had seen kind of a, a maturity in him that the defense wouldn't affect the hitting and the hitting wouldn't affect the defense, but it, it all, you know, it all did that watching him closely this year. He got frustrated visibly for both ends of it, not working, but also like he was someone that I thought, uh, you know, the hard hit stuff has been good. He's, he's pretty good bat the ball he's not like you know he's, he's built like a big slugger but he doesn't hit yet like a big slugger and i thought his all fields approach and then and willing to take stuff the other way would like keep him out of like long slumps like this but it didn't <laughs> obviously uh you know and so i'm it's it's uh, quite it's quite baffling to me the whole that whole situation and i don't uh i'm not exactly sure where it leads because uh the Phillies just in general, I mean, this is a sort of a Phillies tangent, but their team defense has just been not good at all. And I think, and I would think that Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski is going to be one that will at least address that at some point in the off season to try to get them to, uh, to put, give, to give themselves better defenders uh, at least at a couple of places. And I think, you know, Boehm is one, one area where, uh, you know, it might be time to, uh, you know, now maybe if they have the DH or, you know, he is somewhat athletic. I mean, I, I think they ought to see what he looks like in left field, really. They don't because they have problems out there also um, just to just to give it a shot. But uh, it's uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of problems in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean to give you, get you too fired up on that no, one, but no, I was no. just. 
I was like, I knew he wasn't having a good year, but I was, I was kind of surprised by the demotion. I get it. They're in a contention. Yeah. They need, they need production. I hundred percent get it. I was just like, man, what he did last year compared to what he's doing this year. Like you said, I'm not a prospect guy, but I follow a lot of you guys that do cover it. And the hit tool is really never one of the questions right. about Alec Baum. So it was just like, Whoa, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and I mean, but to take it back to fantasy, you know, we do, you know, we draft Bohm for our teams thinking one thing and we draft Hoskins, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. So it 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 kind of, you know, that's that's sort of the approach that we take, especially with our minor stuff, our prospect stuff at baseball HQ is trying to always be looking at it through that uh lens and helping readers and subscribers uh know and communicate that stuff. Uh, you know, trying to do the translation for people or along with people as, as much as we can. But then, you know, we think we have folks like Bone figured out and he totally blows it. So, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. What can, <laughs> what can you do, right? What can you just, do? That's just, uh, that's just part of the, part of the game. Part, which that's part sense. of the fun. It, I, I would like to, to guess, you know, us that try to give advice for fun, for, for this fun game we play. If we're right, like, 35 to 40 percent of the time we're doing really good so just like because it's 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 yeah. crazy out there and it's it, to get them all right would be crazy to to imagine um a couple other bits here tj anton return for like one day tommy john <laughs> surgery that's a bummer i i hope we get to see him in 2023 be the tj anton we were hoping for that would be good and then william Adamas, uh he was out again i was the third straight day out of the brewers lineup with a with a calf injury so something to monitor if you're in the NFBC where you can make your Friday roster moves, something to keep in mind as well. Because when he's in the lineup, he's been great, but they're definitely uh, taking care of this. And if something goes worse, Jace Peterson, Luis Urias, they're going to get a lot more playing time. So yeah. something to think about there. All right. Let's talk about some prospects. Or I, I, I put prospects with some of these guys are, you know, technically out of the prospect rankings now. But yeah. they're young, young players that we've seen a, a bit of playing time this season and we had high hopes for. Some have figured it out. Some not so much yet. Um, and we'll start with Edward Cabrera, who made a really, really nice debut on Wednesday night. Didn't get a ton of strikeouts, but super efficient. Looked like a very smart, smart pitcher. Um, you know, in the minors, he's a strikeout machine. But uh, we didn't see that. He got sent back down uh, right after the game. I'd imagine we still see some more of him this year, you'd think, yeah. since they brought him up once. What's kind of your outlook on a guy like Edward Cabrera? Because even if we don't see him this year, we'd imagine 2020, uh, 2022 would probably be a good run for him. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, pretty excited about him in general. Uh, you know, it's a good <clears throat> it's a good three pitch mix. Uh, although he threw a slider a little bit as a fourth pitch too uh, last night. Um, I you know I think the the thing that really stood out to me this year um, in in watching him come back through the minors is just those uh, strikeout numbers at AAA. Uh, you know, three of the last four starts he had eleven uh, eleven or twelve Ks. Um, and while, uh, you know, he had been a good strikeout pitcher before that, uh, before that in earlier years, I mean, that, that was kind of a different level. So I was, uh, you know, one game, I was a little surprised, as you said, that, uh, that there weren't more K's last night. Um, but I will be interested to kind of, uh, to kind of monitor him at the major league level there, uh, assuming I, which I would agree with you, I think they'll probably get him some spot starts, uh, here throughout uh, September, um, you know, to see what his strikeout uh, potential is like. Um, but he really made some, you know, has really made some uh, improvements on his changeup, especially 
uh, Chris Blessing and I were talking about on our podcast uh, this week that, uh, you know, I think really kind of raised his floor some. Um, and, uh, you know, there are some people, some people that really think he's, uh, you know, a solid, a really solid and maybe even near the top of that young kind of uh, Marlins uh, pitching group. They obviously won't all work out, but I think at this point with what we've seen, um, you know, from him in the minors here uh, in AAA, especially this year and uh, the, you know, the fairly solid, like you, and you said, efficient start last night. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, he's certainly someone to be excited about uh, for the future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because you, you mentioned these young Marlins starters. It's just time and time again they keep producing. Like right now we have Alcantara, we have Rogers, we have Eliezer Hernandez. It's just one pitcher after another after another. It is, it's a great rotation of young talent. Um, and so far they're kind of almost hitting on all of them, surprisingly. Surprisingly. Still yeah. time for that to change, obviously. Right. But um, so it's it's been great to see, to see there. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Cabrera can bring because if you can – Add him to that rotation. You know, it feels like Alcantara is still going to be the, the number one, quote unquote, in that rotation just because of his like seniority, if anything. But um, put Cabrera in there as a number two or number three so he doesn't always line up against the ace. It could be a fun 2022 to see what yeah, he does. And, right. And you didn't even mention uh, Pablo Lopez. Yeah, Pablo. Yeah. Totally. He's on the IL. I totally forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another, you know, and they have another uh, really high upside kid, uh, Max Meyer, uh, a high pick uh, from college. So he's closer. Uh, from the 2020 draft that's in double A now um, that a lot of people really like too. Um, so yes, uh, certainly so far in, in recent years, uh, Marlon's doing a great job with that uh, pitching development. Yeah. And uh, we don't have to talk about this last pitcher, but I'm just curious because I saw Nick Neidhart when he was playing for Modesto out here. Cause like mm-hmm. I'm about, I'm about an hour from San Jose. So I used to go watch them all the time yeah. and uh, good prospect for the Mariners came over in a trade obviously yeah. hasn't, been great in the bigs but his like last couple outings have been much better so i'm wondering if like now that he's kind of been in the system a little bit longer if they're kind of doing something with him mm-hmm. and maybe maybe we see an adjustment there and like it might still be a few years away but because yeah. the talent level with him is there it's just yeah i guess translated so that's another guy like they could just be just flush with talent so yeah and, and you know and you think about it too i mean again taking it back to fantasy i mean we all know right now we have most of us have a pretty high uh uh, outlook or a viewpoint of like what Cleveland has been doing with a lot of starters as far as like, you know, at least an initial kind of bump and guys being quite a bit better than what we thought they were. Yeah. Uh, you know, please Savali, obviously Bieber being the huge one, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, so thinking about that, that is, you know, if the, if Miami is starting to, or has, you know, has done kind of this track record now of, of, uh, you know, even a short term track record of producing these good pitchers. Uh, you know, maybe that gives you confidence to kind of, to roster a Cabrera ahead of when you might normally, uh, you're going to kind of wait for him to prove himself or whatever. And, you know, always being ahead of that curve fantasy wise, uh, even on the, even on the guys that are, uh, you know, mid-rotation starters who no one else wanted at all, you know, can be a help for your teams. Yep, very, very good point there. Let's go to one of the more polarizing names, if you log into Twitter most evenings, uh, Jared Jared Kalenic. Uh We've yeah. seen the minor league videos where he just hits everybody for 450 feet and just does everything. He looks like the best player in minor league baseball. He's come up to the bigs. He's had a couple of nice moments, but as a whole, it's been a, it's been a grind, to say the yeah. least, for Jared Kalenic. 
Uh, what's your thoughts going forward from him? Because the talent is obviously there, but it is not clicking at the moment. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that for me, thinking about him for 2022 has changed a whole lot. Uh, just because, again, this is yes, it's happened uh, twice. He's been a little better on this call up, but it's still on the second you know time he's called up, but it's still not clicking. And I think you know any hope of uh, of him kind of helping your team this year is pretty much gone. I mean, anybody can get hot, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing in, there's not much in his metrics so far that say that that's going to happen for this year. But I, I still sort of trust the long-term, uh, his long-term outlook. Um, there are, you know, as, as you know, you know, there are plenty of guys that first, second time up even, you know, have had really rough, starts uh and have turned it around and that whole adjustment readjustment process is part of that uh part of that progression um so for now i'm i i would you know i probably personally right now would you know downgrade kelnick up just a bit but i think he's still a uh you know a guy that could he could just as easily go home from this year uh, you know, take the <clears throat> take the winner off, just kind of reset, work hard, and you know, could be hitting the ball over the place in spring training again. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and and part of that is just I, you know, perhaps I more than I should trust the, you know, trust the looks and the mm-hmm. scouting and the all that that we've had in the in the minor leagues, and especially for someone uh, with his pedigree that we've seen. Uh, I'm just not. I'm not quite ready to give up on him yet. So. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun to see where he goes in drafts next year because there's a lot that are that are echoing your sentiments, and it, it, it's true though. It's like we can't give up on him yet. It's technically it's been two stents, but still one season. He's still yeah. very talented. He's still very young. So yeah. there's like there's like so many levels to do it, and we've seen it time and time. The, the joke I make or a comparison that I like to make as a Giants fan is Mike Yastrzemski didn't do anything until he was 30 years old. Yeah. So like these guys, there's really there's no set time frame. Like you know, the like even five, ten years ago, it was okay. Well, if they're not producing by this age season, they're pretty much never going to make it, and it's over. That doesn't exist anymore. Right. So um, it, with different teams, uh, different technologies, different development patterns, like you see, obviously doing your minor league work, it varies all the time. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see because you'll have some people that just want nothing to do with them in the drafts because mm-hmm. there's they've seen it, but there's going to be some people that take advantage of that. Because mm-hmm. if he does produce, uh, he, he the talent's there. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I think I think you know just to wrap it too. I mean, just to you know, uh, in guys in long term like keeper in dynasty leagues. I mean, if you have a chance to buy him, mm-hmm. I mean, now might be the time to do that. Uh, again, you know, you never know and progressions and all that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, Kelnick's someone I still I still believe in. Yeah, hundred percent with you there. Another guy on Kellenic's team on the Mariners, Logan Gilbert, came up. I was very excited for him. I'm usually not a big prospect guy, grabbing yeah. grabbing him on the fab wire, basically. But I, I was excited to see him. You could even watch it in his first start. The adrenaline was just flowing. He could not locate at all. It was he was amped up as it could be. Totally right. But he he figured it out. Like after a few starts, he looked like the prospect everybody wanted to see. Last few starts have been a little rough. Might be kind of running out of steam as the season goes on. I don't know. I'm a big fan of him going to 2022. What's your outlooks on Logan Gilbert? Because he's one of the few prospects so far this season that have come up, then shown us what he could be. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, like the, his recent tough 
uh, outings and stuff is just part of the adjusting process. Uh, I feel, uh, let's say, I, I, I would feel, I feel better about Gilbert than I do Kelnick, although there's, there's different types of players. I'm not saying that Gilbert's upside is as high as Kelnick's, but the fact that he had the adjustment period where he figured it out, you know, at the major league level, uh, and even though now, like I said, maybe he's running out of gas, maybe the reports are coming in on him and, and guys are figuring out ways to beat him. Um, the fact that he can go back and, and look at that stretch of, uh, you know, of, of good ball, of good performance, of good starts, uh, I think is a good uh, sign going forward. And, you know, you put that on top of the kind of where he was and, and how he was looked at coming up scouting wise, uh, where he was, um, you know, how he was perceived, ranked and all that sort of thing. Uh, I, I definitely feel, I feel good about Gilbert and, you know, for him, certainly the health thing has been good too, as a pitcher. I mean, there's been, uh, there's been no health setbacks that I know of or have been publicized. And so that's a, another sort of boss to check. So I think, you know, this experience for him, uh, rookie season, uh, you know, maybe a little rough start, better middle, maybe a little uh, rough at the end. It's just part of the progression. Yeah, totally makes sense on that one. Let's talk about a guy with a rough start that looks like he might be figuring out too is Chris Bubik of the um, Kansas City Royals. Drafted highly a couple years ago, and he's been very, very good of late striking out guys. He's facing very good competition, so I can't even say it's, oh, it's just the weekend, AL Central. No, he's faced like the White Sox and the Astros and yeah. some good teams, so – I like what I'm seeing about from him. Is this kind of a, a fluky deal, or do you believe this is, might be something we kind of see going forward? I, I still need to kind of <clears> – <throat> I still need to see some more out of Bubich. Um, I, I I wonder about the I, – I still don't quite believe in the high strikeout rate that he's done uh, in the past couple starts. I want to see that kind of uh, maintained longer. And, you know, and I think there's some – you know, there's some walk issues there too that I would uh, prefer to to look at. So, uh, Bubich is someone that uh, you know, you know, we're de- definitely definitely seeing a good stretch in in August, but I feel like the bar was low, and I'm uh, for whatever reason, I, there, there's some other Kansas City pitchers I like better, and um, you know, maybe when maybe when I get into the book and in the off season and do all the research. Uh, I'll find some things that change my mind, but for right now, he's uh, you know he's not a target necessarily yeah. uh, for me. Although you know, being 23, really young, I mean, there's lots of time to to develop that too. Um, but uh, yeah, he's not a target for me right now. Yeah, the Royal the Royals are close to uh, making some fun stuff happen there with the when they when they they kind of sold off and then they they picked up all those draft picks. Yeah, they they, they did very well getting a lot of college ready uh, pitchers. So we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks Tyler Gilbert uh, three starts ago first career start in the bigs nearly twenty eight years old now and he threw a no hitter. Yeah, and I, I try not to put too much cold water on it, but if you broke it down. Not a lot of swing and misses, a lot of pitch to contact. Like the Babbitt was like, it was great. No hitters and no hitter. Not going to discount that, but it was one of those like, you basically got through this and got through it. Um, <laughs> he's, it's been, um, his last two starts have been okay. Nothing special jumping off the page. I know I saw you had, had a, you, you've seen him in the past and you had a, a big, big uh, report on him before. What's your thoughts on Gilbert? Is this more of a pitch to contact guy or is there more to it? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a pitch to contact guy. I uh, could echo pretty much everything you just said about, <laughs> about that no hitter. I mean, it was 
yeah. you know, as much as a no-hitter can be fluky, it was yeah. fluky. As far as uh, in terms of uh, that, that, that that result was far and away above any sort of skills we have seen that I've seen in the minors coming up um, or that he's exhibited uh, this year. I mean, it, it's a, it's a wild story. You know, when I saw him, he was with the Phillies uh, as a starter. They, after only a couple of years, moved him to the bullpen where he pitched for them, the bullpen and the minors up through triple A. Um, and then for whatever reason, the Diamondbacks only picked him up this year, put him in the rotation and he, he's done, you know, he did well at Reno and he's held his own here. But I think for fantasy purposes, I mean, he's really just a number four, number five guy. I mean, he's going to have some, you know, he's going to have some good starts. I will, I will go out on a limb and say he'll never pitch another no hitter, but, but, you know, there'll be, there'll be starts that he would help you from a fantasy perspective, but I think it'll, there'll be also be some, uh, be some blowups too. And I'm not sure, uh, you know, he's, he's a deep league guy possibly that you could play with some matchups, like say, uh, end of this year, next year, but it's nothing that, um, Nothing that that I would uh, say is a Diamondbacks building block like yeah. for a rotation. Hundred percent with you. Like I, I'm in need of strikeouts in a lot of leagues. He's not near the top of my list, so right. that's yeah. that's that's definitely one of those. But uh, yeah, a no hitter is a no hitter. I, I won't take that away. But man, look at that Statcast page. It's yeah. uh, it, it just screamed. I wish I had your luck sometimes. Yeah. Um, Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs when he made his first start, and they're going ah bullpen guy is what it is. But I started looking at him more after another start. I'm like, okay, they're going to keep him in the rotation now. Yeah. Let's see what they got. He's got some strikeout upside, and we've seen some decent things in the minors. What, what do you think when you look at Justin Steele? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna watch Steele kind of from afar right now. Uh, and, and, you know, again, maybe this is my scouting sort of pedigree or, you know, scouting bias. But, uh, you know, it's not someone I heard a ton about um, coming up through the minors. Uh like, you know, similar to you, uh, kind of dismissed him when they first brought him up. And since then, I was like, oh, OK, maybe I'll take another look. But, you know, again, given where you know, given where the Cubs are, given that home park, uh, all that, um, I, I'm not I'm not rushing out to kind of uh, pick him up. Um, I'll, I'll take a look. I'll take a look once the season's over. You know, if he stays in the rotation and and holds his own for the next five, six starts. Uh, then I'll take a deeper look kind of at, at Steele. But for right now, it's not his name. Not a name that's jumping off the page at me. All right. Outside of uh, Jared Kalinick, Joe Adele was probably one of the more talked about preseason outfield prospects, if not just prospects in general. Yeah. Coming into the season, they thought there was a chance he might start the season with the Angels at one point in time or whatever. Then he goes to the minors, and they start calling up other outfielders because Joe Adele is still striking out a lot, and they wanted to get yeah. that fixed. Yeah. You know, their, their hand was forced, or they said, you know what, let's just do it. They finally called him up, even after Brandon Marsh. And Joe Adele's been good, not great. He's been he's been okay. Yeah. We've seen signs of life from time to time that you see that the prospects there. What's your thoughts on Joe Adele going forward? Uh, I'm I'm uh, cautiously optimistic with him. Uh, I I do think that it's important that uh, at least on the major league level, you know, this time that he's been up, the strikeout rate has improved for sure. Now there's still you know there's still tons of swing and miss there. And I think there always will be. Um, but the fact that uh, he went down and, and yes, yeah, still struck out a lot in AAA this year, <clears throat> but also had, uh, you know, also when he came up here so far has been making better contact. Um, 
uh, you know, is, is a positive. And I think the fact that, you know, he does a decent job with hard hit rate. I mean, and he has that sort of athletic body. Uh, I, I've still got some hopes for him. I think his ceiling definitely has dropped off some than what it was a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, he also would be a guy that uh, has shown the tools in the past that would, that, uh, th- that I could conceivably sort of, uh, you know, take a chance on for the rest of the season. You know, one of these guys that, you know, hey, maybe in a lower pressure environment this this last month, most likely the Angels are going to run him out there because of, you know, wanting him to to make better contact and continue to see major league pitching. Um, you know, maybe he maybe he runs into some home runs and stolen bases uh, like like he's done. Uh, you know, that had us so excited about him uh, two three years ago. Um, but I think overall, I think his ceiling is, is lower. Um, and, but, but I do like his prospects to kind of, uh, be an important part of that angels team next year. His teammate, Brandon Marsh now, on the other hand, hasn't shown a ton of power per se that he did go deep the other night, mm-hmm. but, uh, he's been getting on base regularly he's yeah. with hits or walks. He's, and he's got some speed. So he's kind of outshined Adele overall. And maybe that's why he got called up before Joe Adele. What do you see in him going forward? And would you rather have Marsh or Adele going into 2022? Uh, the thing that the thing that does concern me a little bit with Marsh is just his major league strikeout rate is crazy, uh, crazy high. Yes, yes, forty percent uh, or something. Yeah, and so I that makes me wary that that the rest of his production is going to be sustainable if that remains that you know if if, if the if the strikeout level remains the same. Uh, I, I do like Marsh in general, um, given, given that I do think he, you know, has a, has a decent power speed combination. And I, there is something there that led the angels, like you said, to kind of give him a look this year before Adele. Um, I think I would still take Adele long-term, but it's, it's a lot closer for long term. Or you, the question you asked me for next year, I think I would still want Adele for next year, but it would not surprise me. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to me if that if Marsh was the one that worked out better, kind of next year, and maybe even you know it, it's it's not uh, out of the question that he could have a better career. I mean, that's uh, I would still put my money on Adele for that, but. Um, Marsh, I think, is is better than uh, better than what we thought. Yeah, I, I've I again not a prospect guy, but I was wrong on Marsh. I didn't think he was. I thought he was just out there to kind of fill some time for Joe Adele to get there, and he's proven exactly. me wrong. He's he's played very very well this season. So and and as yeah. you know, and for you and me, I mean that hair is just yeah. It's I'm <laughs> jealous. I'm yeah. thoroughly jealous. I've been jealous for a long long time of those people. Exactly. But uh, yeah, no, he's. He's something special, that kid. You know, yeah. he, great ball player and a head of hair. I tell yeah. you what, it's ridiculous. Uh, another guy that's got a full head of hair and um, just got called back up on Thursday because yeah. Hunter Renfro went on the bereavement list. That is Jaron Duran, who, man, it looked like right when he first got called up, we, we had something here. And then yeah. it, it slowed down. And for some reason, they were not playing them versus lefties, who we hit just fine in the minor leagues. Yeah. That one, that bugs me all the time, period, but I don't want to go on that diatribe. Yeah. But um, – What's your thoughts on Jaron Duran? Because, again, similar to Clinic and these guys, the talent level's there. He's yeah. just not producing that first time around. Yeah. I was really uh, 
I'd say from a talent level, I was really behind Duran and thought that uh, the changes he made and the power he added and the fact that he, uh, you know, word was this was, you know, started at the uh, alternate camp last year. The fact that he showed it in spring training, the fact that he proved that same sort of output level at AAA, I thought that this could this could well be one of these uh, minor leaguers that actually hits the ground running, you know, mm-hmm. um, because that's that to me is like the 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 most one of the most difficult parts about the whole prospecting sort of thing is trying to trying to figure out that holy grail of kind of who's going to struggle yeah. <laughs> once they get called up to the best uh, you it's know such, it's such a big best. jump yeah the best opposition in the world and mm-hmm. who's gonna you know struggle and need some adjustment time uh so anyway i i thought you know i thought well maybe here's a shot at someone like duran uh who proved it at those levels that could could do that I, the thing that was curious to me is what you sort of alluded to is that i thought given the Sox's needs and where they were at uh, as a team and kind of in the running and all that, I thought if they brought Duran up, they would plug him in at center field and he would be the center fielder. Uh, and so when that didn't happen, then then I wonder what, you know, did I miss something else, <laughs> you know? And, and I think, I mean, it has a lot, you know, an important part, I think, I think that's an important part of us trying to figure out who's going to produce and not is, is how the major league teams handle that. And so, you know, we sort of alluded to this with the Phillies with, with Bohm and stuff is, you know, putting these young guys that are just getting their feet wet again, facing competition, not like they faced at all in any other setting, you know, putting those guys in position for them to succeed and, and having, confidence that that they will be able to handle what you throw at them kind of thing um and so the fact that you know like the bone they sort of backed off from and and sat him for a while and now sent him down is one and this duran thing is similar in the fact that they brought him up uh gave him a little gave him a little bit of rope it seemed to me at the very beginning uh and then you know and then uh monkeyed him around back and forth out of the lineup um you know, I just wonder everybody, you know, all the players psychologically are different and that's going to affect different guys, different ways, but it's easy to, it's easy to make the jump to say, uh, you know, for someone like Duran, Oh, they don't quite have the confidence in me to, you know, they had enough confidence to bring me up and not to play me every day. What does that mean? Um, you know, all that sort of thing. So all that to say, I don't know about Duran. I like the skills and the, and this, and supposedly the adjustments, which are big, you know, a player can make adjustments uh, like that at the minor leagues. I think that's a very positive thing that this player can can do that and figure it out uh, at the highest level. Um, but the fact that I'm not 100 percent sure that the Sox have shown that they believe that makes me wonder uh, a little bit about his future. It was so weird because when they didn't let him go play in the Olympics, let him qualify, let him go to the Olympics, I was like, okay, right. that means right. hey, we yeah. want this guy here to play for us. That's what and it seemed like. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so like I, I, if I'm Duran, I'm like, why didn't you let me go to Tokyo then? Like, come on, <laughs> like let me go win a go, like go, let me go win a what they want a bronze or a silver, a silver right. I think. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, me go, let me go do that, and then I'll come and talk to you guys and platoon for you. Yeah. But um, yeah, really, really strange. And again, I, I can't stand teams that say oh they can't hit lefties because they're lefties and then like it's always in my head they said that about brandon belt for years they never never let him do it 
And right. all of a sudden, it's like, oh wait, he can. Like, yeah. look at this. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 and it's, it, it, there's many others that that's happened. Yes, exactly. Uh, a couple other quick ones for you here. Again, this is not a first time call up, but Jesus Lazardo, massively talented young arm, big time prospect. I saw him when he was pitching for Stockton. Yeah. The kid was just like he strike out everybody. Ridiculous. Yeah. And he just cannot find it in the bigs. It's gotten worse and worse almost every time out. Again, now he's on the right team potentially in Miami. We talked about that. So that yep. could be something that helps. And I think being closer to home is going to be really good for him also. I think that's going to be big. What's your thoughts on him? Because he's going to be free in drafts next year. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be, I think, someone that I may end up with on teams. Well, the uh, talent level's through the roof. Yeah, because because of that. And I think uh, I think, you know, just let him just doing what the Marlins are doing. Just let him pitch now. If he gets hit around, you know. The rest of the season, fine. Leave, leave him in their big league rotation, get him that experience. But I, I think the talent level for him is something that I I would not at all be surprised to have him turn it around. Uh, you know, be a big riser in spring training and one of those guys that you you know can't draft at a good spot come the end of March. Um, I think that the I think the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, I think they know what they're doing with some of the trades that they're making like that, and that could be a, a really impressive kind of pickup for them. Uh, maybe I'll look crazy, and, and he, you know, he's one of these guys that that can't make the translation, uh, and you know, only lasts whatever half a year before they try to do something with him next year. But for me, I'm uh, I I like what I've seen too much out of his talent. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I would feel positive about him in 2022 and going forward for sure. Again, and, and another guy that's really, you know, that's really young. Yeah, super, super young. He came up real quick. He went through the system very fast. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of growing to come with that. Like you said, uh, he could do, find a new pitch mix that works better. There's so many things that could happen. Yeah. But one thing that they can't change is the talent that's in that arm. So it's it's there. Um I think the fact that he, like I said, he's going to probably be free in drafts until there's a million articles saying everything you just said because it makes sense. And then he starts going up in the drafts again. Cool. But where he's going to be going, most likely, at least in early drafts, if he doesn't work out, you can cut him and it's not going to cost you anything. Yeah. So, but if he hits, he could basically like give you like a hundred picks of value potentially or something. Like yeah. he's, he's that talented. So that'll be a, a fun one to kind of discuss in the offseason for sure. Yeah, I think so. Akil Badu of the Detroit Tigers, he was a, a Rule 5 guy, so they kind of had to roll with him at first, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then um, he started just hitting home runs out of nowhere. Couldn't hit for average. But then things changed. He he started hitting for average and stealing bases, night for homers. Now he's on the IL. Which Akil Badu is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, other than, you know, uh, looking at his month-by-month splits, I mean, June and July, he was all about contact, you know. Mm-hmm. It, and and those are the times when uh, you know he put up the numbers you're talking about. Um, I mean, I think it's exciting because he's a, definitely a multi-category guy uh, if he can if he can maintain that contact. Again, he's young. Uh, you know, you remember his story too. I mean, he wasn't at an alternate site at all. Was you know injured before that, so he's missed a bunch of time. Uh, because he's a rule five guy, he never went through the, you know, never got much time in, at all at the, at the high minors. So he's really, you know, learning on the job. Uh, I think long-term I'm pretty interested. Um, like a lot of people, I didn't know much about him at all. And we, 
you know, we do an article on the rule five picks every year when they happen uh, and, you know, try to look as positively as we can for some of these guys. And, uh, you know, and he passed through. I mean, we didn't didn't pick that up at all. Um, I was surprised when he made the team. And I, I think there's some there's some good things there. Uh, the you know, I it would not surprise me if even next year there's some inconsistency like this mm-hmm. as there's adjustments and adjustments back. Um, but certainly because of his multi-category kind of potential is someone uh, I'm interested in. And I think, you know, I think in general, I think the Tigers are, are on the rise um, with the, some of the pitchers that they have now at the major league level and a couple big looking mm-hmm. impact type bats uh, at Toledo at the, at the minor league level that within another year or so, I think are going to, uh, you know, give them some, uh, give them some fun times out there. America. Yeah. They have a lot of talent coming up and have a lot of money to spend pretty soon. I like, they have yeah. uh, the makings of a nice little run coming up. So Paul Spore is going to be even more fun on the sleeping <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> That's exactly soon. right. Yes. Um, a couple like just quick ones here. Jake Myers got a call up. Uh, he was kind of filling in when Kyle Tucker was on the COVID IL, but then they traded a, sh- a straw. So it kind of leaves potential time for Myers. You got Tanner Houck who, Got yo-yoed forever with Boston. Now it looks like he's in the rotation for the rest of the season, potentially. Yeah. And then you have Luis Eel of the, the Yankees, who looked outstanding. Like, he shocked me with, of, of how good he was. But they're kind of yo-yoing him around as well, it looks like, right now, because they don't need him. They have guys coming off the IL. Do e- any of these guys uh, give you some fantasy interest going the rest of the season? The rest of the season, um, <clears throat> again, because of the team context, uh, Myers is sort of interesting because I, I was just surprised – um, you know, it seems like where they're at, uh, that, that someone like straw, even, even though there's deficiencies there is more of a known thing than Myers, you know, for yeah. a center fielder. So for them, you know, again, maybe I'm reading too much between the lines, but for them to kind of, uh, you know, trade away straw and basically, you know, even if it was by injury, kind of give that job to Myers makes me wonder what they see there <laughs> yeah I'm with you. Uh, the metric wise i mean he's you know he's hitting much better than he should be as far as you know uh batted ball i mean his play skills aren't good i mean it's it, it's kind of a guy that's ripe for regression uh rest of the way but again um you know if the astros kind of believe in him uh, it makes you you know it makes me double take because of that situation um he'll i'm interested in uh, long term, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, where the Yankees are, that that it that he's someone that I would kind of try to pluck out as as a helpful uh, one down the stretch. And who was the person in the middle? Um, Tanner Houck. Oh, Houck. Uh, yeah, I mean Houck is someone uh, that caught my eye last year. Uh, watching a couple starts and and kind of following him a little closer this year through the minors and here and I and I I do it would not surprise me if he's someone that they uh, even though maybe they play him up and down some but kind of give him some a, a decent bank of starts to see and I and I think he could you know could be one of those guys that could potentially help you sort of in a sneaky way down the stretch. 
and lots of strikeout upside with him. I know that yeah. much. So he's I've been trying to stash him everywhere I could in between demotion and, and recall and demotion and recall. It's been a, a mess for about a month. <laughs> yeah. But man, it's it's been something else. Um last question here I have for you. And I think we've seen pretty much the majority of the fantasy call-ups we're gonna get this season. Yeah. Uh, I know Shane Baz is the only name I've thought of in, uh, in previously thinking about this. Are there any other guys that we should keep our eye on? Like, you know, NFBC, you can't add them until they play, but maybe there's people playing on Yahoo or Fantrax that can go out there and grab them and now and stash them. Are, are there any names that, that come to interest for you? Yeah, I got this question in another setting just recently, and and I I don't think that there is going to be uh, a lot. Uh, part of the – there's a couple of reasons. One is what we talked about with the September roster expansion mm-hmm. is only two players. Um, and I think that the – you know, and again, going back to team context, this could be a team context issue, <laughs> is that a lot of the top sort of prospects that are, you know, ready, uh, Adley Rushman for Baltimore, uh, Torkelson and Green in Detroit, that, you know, that are that are ready and could make some impact are on on these teams that are out of it. And, you know, it is what it is. They, they're playing, teams are playing under the rules of the CBA and, you know, don't want to start their clock and all that sort of thing. So I think with those couple things combined, uh, that we're going to see less uh, significant call-ups uh, of minor league guys, uh, of top minor league guys, than than we would other years. Where in other years, you know, you might reward Torkelson with you know two weeks at the end of the year because he's had such a great year, that sort of thing. I I kind of doubt that that is going to happen. Um, although because of how the Rays deal with it and because of where Boz is at uh, and because of how they want to get set up for the playoffs, it would, you know, totally make sense for me uh, from my perspective to see Boz up and um, you know, maybe he's opening for a couple innings. Maybe he's, you know, a multi-inning guy in the bullpen or maybe they start him. Um, And given, given how they have developed guys and again, how how much trust I have in what their process is, uh, you know, I'm going to be alert to when they think they think a guy is ready. Um, and uh, you know, Boz could be Boz could be yes, a, a strikeout pickup. Um, you know, if if they bring him up. Yeah, I like that. And you know, with with some of these guys like Torkelson and Green and, and others you mentioned. Hey, they don't get called it this year, but maybe we get to see them in FPAS. So that would be awesome. That's so right. Let, let's exactly see. Because right. there was none last year. So let's see if we get all like a like an extra special group of, of yeah, prospects there. there this I year. mean, that's a yeah, that's a great point. We're waiting, we're waiting to uh waiting on the rosters, but that should be pretty soon. Right? It, should, it should be. Everything's getting pushed back. I mean, we yeah, usually it's a couple months out, it feels like at yeah, least a month and a half. Yeah, and we don't even have a uh, a game schedule yet. Yeah. It's supposed <laughs> to be coming in the next week or so. Uh, which is hampering yeah. us a bit. Uh, but I, I wonder if that won't all be revealed at the same time, the schedule, yeah. the rosters, all that kind of thing. But you're exactly right that there are enough, a lot of top prospects uh, out there. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is another one, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, that's high up on a lot of lists that could well uh, be out in the Arizona Fall League. And that only makes our first pitch Arizona game viewing uh, process even better. <laughs> Why don't you uh, once again, as we're wrapping things up here, plug plug FPAS, your the the forecaster, everything going on at Baseball HQ. Sure, uh, you can find all our stuff at baseballhq.com. Uh, we're a subscription site, but there are 
Uh, we do run free articles once or twice every week to give it, to give those non-subscribers just a sense of what we do there. Um, you can find on, on the website, you can find information about First Pitch Arizona, which is the weekend conference we run in conjunction with the Arizona Fall League. This year's dates are October 14th through 17th, and we are uh, looking forward to getting back together there after having to miss last year due to COVID. Uh, very, uh, in September, we start uh, taking pre-orders for the Baseball Forecaster, which comes out in early December and is, uh, you know, is a look and preparation uh, volume for you for 2022 uh, extensive player profiles of the research articles there's a whole encyclopedia of uh, uh, if you're just getting into it all of these uh, sabermetric uh, metrics and things that, that we use just in general as well as at baseball HQ uh, we'll also be selling uh, copies of the minor league baseball analyst which is our kind of uh, prospect companion guide again all of this stuff is kind of looking at uh this great game through the lens of fantasy and kind of how, how to help uh how to help you get an edge uh in whatever league you're in your home league your nfbc league uh whatever and that's our kind of that's our kind of goal it's what makes it fun um and it's uh yeah it's great it's great uh talking about writing about podcasting about baseball uh throughout the year so yeah, I recommend checking it out, guys. Uh, Brent can't title it this, but everyone that uses it calls the forecaster basically the Bible. So uh, go go check it out. It uh, it's 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 a phenomenal resource going into draft season. And I, what, one thing I do lo- love about HQ, besides just the content in general, is you know most of us go to Savant these days to look at like X stats and all these things. You guys use some of those, but you guys kind of have your own derivative of of how do you uh, kind of look at expected stats for things. And I think yeah. they're very very useful like very very good tools they also have the mayberry method which i think is amazing yeah and um the babs obviously that uh, chandler does so yeah lots of ways it'll make you a better fancy player folks i recommend checking it out but um brent as always this was a blast i really enjoyed our chatting with you i'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you in october and um we'll have to do this again sometime yes for sure uh appreciate very much the uh, invitation to join you and uh Definitely, uh, definitely hit me up in the future. And yes, we'll look forward to uh, shaking hands or bumping elbows or something out in uh, out in Arizona. Yeah, we'll see what we're allowed to do by that point in time. But we'll have some fun regardless. But uh, everybody, make sure you check out Brent on Twitter at Brent HQ and check out all the great stuff at Baseball HQ on BaseballHQ.com. This was Bench with Bubba, episode three ninety seven. Catch you guys later.